everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Women Talk Tech, and in fact, the first episode of 2024. Today, I'm joined by Anna, VP of People at HB Capital. Anna and I discuss what her and her fund are doing to tackle the issue of diversity in early stage startups and what she thinks founders can do better to ensure teams are set up from the very beginning with diversity in mind. We also discuss how diversity work can in fact become a burden, which seems to always be placed on HR teams. Supporting those in such roles is really key as it can take a lot to uplift and energise yourself to take on systemic problems that appear impossible to solve. Honestly, it was such an insightful conversation. I know you're going to enjoy this. So, Anna, tell me a little bit more about yourself. I'm very excited to be here, too. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Anna. Obviously, I work for a German venture capital fund, which is called HV Capital. Um, we have invested in mostly German startups for more than two decades, but this is probably um, the sufficient amount of information you need to have about my employer. We could probably go deeper into that and what it means to work for a VC. <laughs> Uh, a bit about me, um, I myself have been working in and around HR also for 24 years now, um, mostly in and around tech companies. Um, the tech companies in Germany started about the time that I started to work. So I've seen much of the last cycles and waves and everything that has happened there. Um, and it has said in and around HR, currently supporting all the portfolio companies that we work with on anything HR and, and very, very much into DEI. Love that. Love that. And what does it mean to you? I think, you know, like I said, in, in every other episode as well, it means so much for so many different people. And it's such a broad topic. We hear the buzzword all the time. Uh, what does it mean to you? And, and why is it important to you? Um, I think the obvious answer would be, it's part of the impact that I can have. It's part of the responsibility that I embrace, because HR is a function in any organization that can influence this. It a function that can educate about this, it can build better processes and systems. So it's part of my professional career. On another level, I think it is also part of the responsibility that comes with working in a venture capital firm that supports mostly early stage companies. So we can also shape um, with our advice how they create and build out their businesses. Um, we don't tell them how to do their stuff. We do help them with all the best practices, benchmarks, and asset advice that we have picked up. And quite personally, obviously, when you have been working in this industry for more than 20 years as a woman, um, you have seen and probably um, experienced um, unfairness, inequality. Um, and I think this is where it gets personal to someone like me, because I feel it's it will help people advance who should deserve a bigger seat at the table and at the bigger table. So, <laughs> In a very catchy phrase, I think most of my thinking around diversity is informed by the fact that I can help open doors from inside. Love that. Yeah. And you're so right. If you can get a seat at the table and the big table as well, it's not about just getting a seat at any table. It's, it's a table where the decisions are actually made. <laughs> yes. Oh, amazing. And I know you mentioned that you kind of work at the portfolio companies. Um, tell me a little bit about your role and, and kind of how diversity comes into this. Yes. So I said, my role is that I'm an advisor to the portfolio companies, um, the portfolio companies that HV Capital is investing in. So I have a large team of investment professionals that I work with. Um, they pick deals that are early or growth stage companies, the asset mostly in Germany, very sector agnostic. So given that scope and breadth of the portfolio, um, my, my counterpart in an organization would be either the founders or the HR professionals that I can advise with anything HR, but also diversity. 
So what does it mean? Uh, we tell them that there are some things that they should be more concerned about. So it means we spot things or help them see things that might be on their radar when most of the time they're very much thinking about how they can just grow, find product market fit and all these things. So we add a bit of the extras to it that how you can do this more responsibly, how can be, you can be a bit more conscious about what kind of employer do you want to be? What kind of leader do you want to be? What kind of entrepreneur do you want to be? So it's asking questions and also sharing how others are doing it so that they get sufficiently inspired or educated to think about those things that might be not the obvious ones that you read up on when you read any kind of book on scaling your company, or blitz scaling your company or what have you. So this is most of the work that I do. And then obviously helping them to, to act on it when they say, okay, we understand we want to do better. We want to do more. Uh, we want to go deeper. Tell us how. Interesting. Yeah, because of course, I guess in your role, you can't tell people exactly you need to do this. Rather, you need to ask the right questions and make them think about something which they never actually thought about in the first place. Yes. And also daring to probably ask uncomfortable questions. Mm. Um I said, we're not shaming anyone from not having done better because I think that it's also about the capacity to think about these things when you're knee deep into building a business and have just been injected a fresh amount of capital. They, I get it that their heads are sometimes elsewhere. It's fair. At the same time, it's about guidance and advisory to the extent that they think about other stuff too. Right? And as I said, dare to go deeper and asking them, look, you have hired another mega CTO. Have you considered that this could have also been a woman? Have you done the research? Have you worked with partners that can help you? How diverse really was your shortlist? How inclusive really was your interview process, for example? So uh, like thinking about how they can do better where they want to actually do better. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned a lot, you mentioned your fund cares a lot about diversity. And I guess something you're talking to a lot of startups about is diversity. From your point of view, why do you think startups really struggle with diversity in the very early days? Because I see a lot of startups progressing and, and, and thinking about it a lot later. Why do you think in, in, in kind of day one, it's not a thought? Um, I wouldn't even know if it's not a thought for, most, for none of them. I think it's unfortunately for most of them, it's not a thought. Um, we see that there's a shift also with a different breed of generation of founders that in like integrated diversity from day one so i think though when we when we look at the overall ecosystem and the probably more mature and advanced companies they didn't think about it in the first one or two three years you're totally right with that assumption i think with specifically the older companies yeah um i think sometimes so there's a couple of reasons sometimes hr just comes in too late yeah hire an hr person at like 70 or 80 ft only this is really hard to then figure out how you can still change things when there's already so many people on the payroll um, of a probably very homogeneous kind. Um, the other, and then the systems have to be in place then too. So you have to think about these things probably a bit too late, but it's still doable. It's just a bit later. The other thing is, I guess it's not top of mind for most of the founders because most of the founders are not a diverse kind of founder type. So we can measure this even and I don't want to go just about diversity is not about gender but it's the only thing that we can measure most of the founders we have backed and every other VC have backed are men and they're most of the time white men and they're most of the most of the time European white men so I think that there is a a lack of understanding that they have privileges that they can share um, a lack of understanding that it's their the ones in power that can be acting more as allies yeah 
And that has not happened. It's not that they don't think it's important. It's not that they don't understand that it's a thing. I think they get it, but I don't think that they have the mindset to really understand it's on them. It's not hiring a diversity person when you can afford one at 100 FTA. It's how do you responsibly act when you build out a company in a workplace and how you can change things by having a different mindset. I'm not sure if this all makes sense, but I think this is vaguely the, the answer that I have to that question. Yeah. But I think we all know there is a problem, but we haven't been able to pinpoint really where it sits. Yeah. We all know all the good things we could be doing to counteract it. But I think we all feel that it's really hard to get to the bottom of it because we don't know what else does it need for them to change, whatever this means, whoever them is. Um, because we have in the societies, we have in the media, we have talked so much about it. We have educated, we have trained, we have collected data, we have done all the work. Yeah, It's all there. There's all the scientific proof. There's all the studies. All of this has happened, but it's still not done. So I'm also a bit out of my depth to understand what it is. So I could just make assumptions. And that my assumption is there's not a strong allyship between those who found companies that are asset from this one archetype that we see too much of. Yeah, yeah. And, and I couldn't agree more. I think you said two things, you know, they hire HR later on. Um, so it's not too late, but the the kind of foundations have already been set that are not with diversity in mind, unfortunately. And also, like you said, the founders that we see are not diverse in themselves. So also they hire people like themselves that are going to work like them. And they build a company of, of, of mini use almost or mini them, um, which makes it really, really hard to then see how diversity can come into place so later on. Because I think, you know, if I was to join a company of 20 men, would I want to go into that company being the first woman going in, knowing that they've hired 20 men before me and they thought, oh, now we need um, a woman to come in board, you know? I know exactly what you mean. And I think that's one part of, and I don't think that's even a bad outcome. I think this is a great outcome that people walk with their feet. I would say, I sometimes phrase it in the way that companies have to be worthy of diverse talent. Yeah. Um, right. So you have to make an effort. You have to make them understand that it's a safe space that, um, that you create a company that that centers around belonging and parity and equity and all those things. It's not the oh let's tick a box and hire a woman. Yeah, um, I I think we we are beyond this for sure. Um, because people ask questions, they want to know: is this a great place where I could thrive? Is are there the same same chances for me to advance as everyone else? And I think part of this conundrum of problem why this is still a thing and why we haven't really solved it is I feel that specifically in startups and I don't know how you perceive this but I think that we have a specific kind of perception of what performance looks like mm. every founder that you talk to would probably tell you that they are looking for AAA plus players and like the hustler and all the, we have our yeah we are <laughs> very much frustrated with these kind of phrases but I think this is still around it's part of the conversations it's part of the briefings they give to recruiters or HR people when things about hiring, like, but I need like a super tough, tough performer. And when you ask them what this means, I think you can then decipher that it means someone who works longer hours, all nighters, um, is super responsive, is probably speaking the same language, um, is talking the same it's going for the same beer and in the same clubs running the same service like as you said it's a mini version of yourself 
because yeah. obviously your self-perception is that you're a badass performer <laughs> and only people who resemble much of your traits can be equally performing as you are. There is no understanding that performance comes in so many different forms and shapes. Not everyone who's extroverted is a performer and not everyone who's not extroverted is a performer. Not everyone who dominates a room at a discussion in a meeting is a performer. And the shy person and the introvert person in the background might have the most amazing solution to a problem. But if we don't make space for them, we will never hear about it and we will overlook a lot of talent. So the, the other part that I'm driven by when it comes to diversity is that we are overlooking a lot of talent. I have this FOMO that there are so many great people that we could be hiring and engaging with and investing in even that we overlook because we have this preconception of performance and talent and whatever that makes us too narrow in our scopes. 100%. Like, honestly, what you said there, I'm just literally sitting here nodding at every point because I... <laughs> There's been so many times I've had a briefing with a founder and yeah, AAA candidate. And I'm trying to understand, okay, what that actually means for each founder, because it's very different. Uh, but equally, right, there's so many biases that, like you said, talent goes overlooked from that CV level. Um, from when you see a CV, from when you see a name on, on a CV, there's a bias already there. So I think sometimes founders, without even knowing, they overlook some really, really great talent just from their perception, their mind of what a good performer looks like, you know? And I think the other part to this is the flip side of this coin is also, as we are so narrowed into a specific kind of what a performing talent in a startup looks like, we might also not overlook other similarly talented people. We might also overlook people who are actually more creative, yeah. differently talented, better talented. And this is, what a talent is, is quite subjective, obviously. But I think it's not only overlooking the other alternative hire that you could have done, because obviously they all should hire for meritocracy. But I think we should also have good debates about what meritocracy means. And it's, a, it's an odd argument to make. But still, we want them to hire the perfect person with the skills and capacities and capabilities that they need to advance their business. 100%. But we also overlook people who could do it a bit differently and thereby a bit better, because what I can't get my head around and couldn't for the last 20 something years. And I can get a bit cynical about is this is innovation. This is tech. This is new frontiers. This is thinking differently about stuff and challenges that we have as a society, as businesses or whatever. This is where creation happens and ideation happens, where we advance by doing things differently. But the only other thing that we have not done differently is hiring and building organizations. Uh, we build the most advanced technologies. We invent things quite literally, but we don't reinvent the way that we do these things. There's only few companies who try to rethink how they can run organizations, how they can do leadership and all those things. But most of the ways that these companies are run is quite traditional and outdated and not even questioned. At the same time, they put the most amazing outlandish things yeah but then they act internally like someone who's fallen out of time do you know what I mean I think this is this is a conundrum that I find really interesting yeah and I and I probably would argue especially in Germany um I, I not just of course my my I guess assumption is because we only mainly work with German companies right so that's all I really know but I do find when I am kind of in and around London I do see a difference in mindset as opposed to say in Germany or kind of other European cities so yeah I do find like you said we change or we we, we kind of progress in every other aspect of life but we still 
hire in the exact same way that we were hiring back in the 1900s. You know, it's still not totally. as advanced as we, we are using tech more. And I think we're finding different ways to find more talent, but the hiring process and so many other aspects are still very much the same. Yes. And I'm not, I don't want to be sounding naively optimistic here, but I've looked into a lot of HR tech in the last month because of the advancement of AI. And now obviously every software tool that we ever be using will be having some kind of AI feature in it. Uh, whether this is bonkers or, or really helpful, we don't know. The jury is out on many of those things. But there, it's an interesting trend that we see that, for example, with performance reviews, um, the tool that we are actually using, but many of our startups are using, is using AI to help managers prepare for performance review conversations. It is also a tool that helps you figure out how you reassess yourself from the last cycle to this cycle um, with more clarity and more contextualized um, and probably better phrased um, copy and text that can help you think about this stuff better. Yeah. Because we are very much biased with ourselves as much as we are biased with other people, right? And I think, ironically, when we say AI is mostly biased because of the data it has fed, been fed, I think AI will help us be less biased at the, work, at the workplace to some extent because it gives you a bit of a different spin to how you should think about the performance of someone objectively because yeah. you might have fed the AI with, I'm just making things up, but like ideally you would feed an AI with... I need someone who do, does this, that, and the other thing, as in refine the output, and the AI will build you the scorecard, the job description, the selection process, the interview questions, the assessments, and everything else, and help you select better talent, less biased. Yeah. Ideally, as I said, we're not there yet. I'm still skeptical about most of these, the, the, the applications. Well, maybe this is the breakthrough that we need. Um, and maybe it will also help people rethink, as I said, the outdated structures that we have too much of in HR still. Um, yeah. We don't question really. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I guess on to the topic of HR, because I think it's really, really important to speak about HR when it comes to diversity. Unfortunately, right, the burden of diversity work does fall a lot on HR teams, whether you mean it or not. I think ultimately it does fall on them. So I think, why, why do you think, why is this the case, firstly? Why do you think this happens? Um, I think it's, it's something that I can relate to because of my personal journey. Um, diversity was sometimes a topic that was naturally falling into HR, as I said, because of the impact HR could have. So yeah. there is a natural relationship between HR and diversity. I don't think that necessarily HR role should have a diversity scope in it. I don't think that it doesn't mean that diversity roads cannot be standalone roads all those things can be true but i think that there is um, an overlap when it comes to the topics and the things that they can change because most most of the things about how humans get um selected and interviewed and hired but also advanced in an organization so the, the extra human touch and the human resources but at the same time i feel it's also a a very much too narrow and probably a bit of a lazy move to think we should be dumping diversity on hr because they're the only ones who probably care and a bit more empathetic than all the other stereotypes that come with HR. Um, so this is the point that I get really angry about, because if an HR leader chooses to also work on diversity initiatives, that's amazing. But if they get just tasked to do it, although they maybe not have the resources, the scope, the mandate, the, the power even to change things, then it is just a burden. And it's a very tedious 
task then. And, and then people get really frustrated about the fact that they see all the things that should be done differently, but they can't act on the change that they want to create. Yeah. And then it is mental load to the people who are pointed at for being in charge, but not enabled to actually do it, not empowered to actually do it. And then this is often, that's the other part of it. 80% of the HR leaders in our portfolio are women. Yeah. It is also the ones that are personally feeling the pain, the unfairness and the inequality. Yeah. Because their careers have been shaped by these things. They have been probably not walking through life with all the privileges and all the doors open to them. So it takes a personal toll on top of this. So you can feel like a toothless tiger, but at the same time you feel that it's personally triggering you because you really want yeah. others to have better chances and more equal opportunities because maybe you did not have them too because you know all the moments when someone was harassing you or there was misconduct and whatever things. Because I think this is true for every woman that has ever worked yeah. in whatever <laughs> kind of context. Yeah, And I'm not even daring to think about how it might be differently relating to the people who of under underrepresented minorities, all those things, right? If you pile them up, it's just getting really frustrated. And I don't think that's a discussion we are having. To, I think we should have more of this discussion that who do we task to do diversity? Why do we do this? Do we enable them? Do we support them? Do we equip them? And do we give them resources to also cope with the mental load that we add on their jobs? Yeah, no, no, totally. And, and like you said, right, HR naturally is a predominantly... A, a kind of uh, female dominated space um and they are given the task to i guess fight a hell of a lot of sister you know fights are years and years worth of, of kind of trauma almost um like is really that the perfect fit is it is it really the perfect fit to kind of give of course i, I don't want to say it isn't but it's you're right you know you're giving women the task to fight a fight when maybe they don't even have the power to change these things it's it's crazy when you think of it like that like how do you even fight against that and I think additionally, it is also a misconception just, for example, because just because I'm a woman, it doesn't mean I'm an expert in diversity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm an expert in the experiences that I have had. Much of this was shaped because of my gender and my gender identity. But I think this is probably very limited when it comes to people with other different identities. So I can't speak for the whole of underrepresented minorities that we are probably have overlooked historically. I can't speak to their experiences. I could probably figure out where systems might be help, not helpful and even hurtful yeah. for people who are different to the homogeneous type of people who are empowered. I get this, but I, for example, I get really frustrated when people ask me about, can you tell me more about how it is for people to be part of the LGBTI community? I, say, I don't know. I mean, I have friends. I can build on anecdotal evidence, but I'm not an expert. And neither are most of the female leaders in HR. They do much of the work by reading up on it. Um, I have personally read probably, I don't know, two dozens of books of diversity, feminism. I even bought a book about the history of patriarchy, which is quite interesting. I am spending time in my, my leisure time, my going to bed wind down time with my husband is me reading books on feminism. How sexy is that, please, right? Imagine the dinner conversations as in, did you know? And he's like, no, I don't want to know. I just want to do Netflix and chill. And I was like, but I'm reading a book on patriarchy. And then I think about it and then I sleep and dream about it and all those things. So 
a lot of the female HR leaders I speak to, and also the male, by the way, do these things. They read up, they educate themselves. Yeah. But it is probably more helpful if the people who can def definitely make change, because it's at their finger points, if they were to read at least one of those books, that would be so much more helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, right, you, you know, you give the task to, to a woman in the team. But again, that woman may not have been through the life experiences that, you know, many other people have been through, right? Or other women that are also from a diverse background. So it makes it, like you said, really, really hard to, to, to actually understand and also fight for something which you also have no experience of. And even myself, I am from an underrepresented group, but I still recognize my privilege as opposed to, say, other people who are also from a minority group as well. Um, just from, you know, maybe, say, the school I went to or the background I have, it's still so different and it's still so broad. And it's still very hard, like you said, to fight against something which you may not have experience of, but you're still trying to, to kind of help other people. And as said, and you don't even have the power to do so. Oh, yeah, that's it as well. Right? <laughs> so, God, yeah. as said, I can police anyone in our team and I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to do it anymore. But at some points I probably did and maybe I overdid it even, but I think this is also something that I have to re reassess all the time as in, do I want to wear this head of the feminist police in the organization? And is this actually what I, Anna, want to do? Or is this the responsibilities that someone thinks I should be having? Is it, is it the role that the VP people of an organization should be having? Or is it just a role that I, as, as a person, have acquired? Yes. Is this actually helpful? All those things, right? Um, which actually makes the whole part of this mental load even more complex because you have to think about, so anytime I have conversations about diversity with whoever, I have to clarify this is whether this is my personal opinion or this is something that I have picked up from all the reading and conversations I had with experts. Uh, this is not my personal opinion. This is advice that is profound, scientifically proven, yada, yada, yada. There's a difference, but people don't see the difference because they're talking to the woman about diversity and they always think that my advice is for, informed by me being a feminist. Yeah. Which is not even something that I would subscribe to I do care about feminism, but I'm not, I would not say that I am a feminist because that word is also very much loaded with a lot of stigma. So I have yeah. a hard time understanding if I want to be a feminist or not, if I want to be the feminist in the room, if I want people to stop conversations and also look at me when there's like a joke, joke on bad, if I want to be that person. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be policing people on stuff. I just want them to read up on things to educate themselves. Yeah. And this is where it's getting really hard for the people who are trying to do the work because are they giving their personal opinion based on their personal experiences, which is limited? Or do we know that they're actually speaking from the research that they have done? Yeah. And sometimes this is just bundled up in one thing, but we don't, we don't ask even for the differences. We don't clarify this. Other people don't ask me, unless it's your opinion or is it something you've read? And also I find that even as the, the ones talking about it, it does sometimes become very hard to actually separate the two. Even when you are speaking so passionate about a topic, as a woman, I'm speaking about something which am I passionate about? Yes. Am I talking on behalf of every other woman in the world? I, I, I can't because that's not my job. But it becomes very hard to separate, like you said, my own opinion versus what is fact or what I've read or what, what other people have told me to kind of fight for. And ultimately, this comes with just having many, many, many uncomfortable conversations. And I think there's lots we kind of task with someone when given this, this kind of 
diversity job. Um, like there's how do you say certain things, the right way of saying things, the wrong way of saying things. It, it's it becomes such a um, hard conversation to have because I mean, I had a podcast recently where we were speaking about neurodiversity and I had, I must admit, very little knowledge about this topic. Uh, and I learned a lot from the conversation, but I spent my entire time speaking with this person thinking like, am I saying it the right way? Like, am I offending other people? Like, you know, it's so, so hard to know what the right way is. And, and I think, you know, how can we actually support people with this task, knowing that it is, you know, it is kind of filled with so many uncomfortable conversations that you may not even want to have, but you have to because it's your job. And I think you've touched on something that I can also relate to, which is that everyone assumes that we are very much perfect in the way that we deal with things. Um, I mix up pronouns all the times. I have a I'm probably also using not the right language at times. I have for sure in the past said regrettable things that hurt people. I've done all these things. I'm a human. Um, am I trying to be better every day? Yes. Am I trying to figure out and speak to people who can educate me and help me to ask for feedback more? Do I speak more consciously? You could totally tell with someone like me because I, I tend to speak really fast, but when I slow down, speaking is because I think about the word that I'm trying to find. So you can see that she's making an effort, right? Is it always perfect? No, for sure not. It's progression over perfection, 100%. But again, if I probably fail to use the right term in a conversation, being the diversity expert in the room, people look at me, it's like, ah, haha, but yeah, Anna, this is something that you just said. You should, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. they look at me, it's like, but you're not perfect. So why do you think we should be perfect? But this is, there's a lot of shaming going on in diversity work, which is unfortunate because it should not be about someone knows better and educates others for them to do better. Um, I think it's more about, can we edu educate ourselves every day with everything that we learn about the differences and the nuances of society? And can we help each other here better so we all advance as a group? And maybe someone is taking the lead and maybe that person has the privilege to do more work and more research and spend more time on it. But I can merely offer my, my, the things that I have researched to other people. Yeah, yeah. Whether they act on it or not is totally their choice. So this is true with everyone in the VC industry. This is true with everyone in the portfolio of all the VCs that, we, that I'm working with, but also this is true for all the peers of mine who work in different funds and do the same kind of work and also, also try to support portfolio companies on these things. It's merely an offer. It's, yeah. it's never more than that. And it should be taken as one. It shouldn't be taken as an enforced change of behavior, as a policing of language and all those things. It's an offer to be a better human. But if they choose not to, it's their loss. Yeah. And I think it's hard enough having to fight the fight. It's then even harder when you're being shamed for fighting the fight and making a mistake. Um, and I think that's why it, it's so important that diversity drivers shouldn't just be those from the, the minority group. It shouldn't just be women who are fighting for other women. It shouldn't just be those, uh, you know, um, that, that have, uh, say, neurodiversity that are fighting for those with others. It's It shouldn't be the case. And, and how do you think we can change that? Because why... I mean, we know why it's the issue, but how do you think we can get more people to fight the fight and drive diversity knowing they're not from that group, you know? Yes, this is why I'm slightly obsessed with allyship, but maybe also because it's the last resort. We tried everything else. Yeah. Um, 
every time this enough maybe not let's let's do this then uh, uh, because sometimes you get a bit desperate in, in this whole thing and you also get a bit frustrated maybe but generally I feel that from as I said my own personal experience and the the team that I'm fortunate to be part of I'm surrounded by so many allies who are understanding that they have privileges and responsibilities in the careers that they have acquire that they can give back they can share they can open doors from inside and all those things they can do the right things they have acquired a mindset totally unrelated to my work sometimes even where I know that I can rely on them to to do the things they can do when I'm not even in the room when they do you know do the things that I don't even see because obviously I don't see every any all of the things and I can't be the one where everyone is pointing to as in, oh, Anna is doing that diversity thing, so I don't have to. That's not, that's not how it works in none of the organizations. It's not a one-person task. So it becomes a team effort when it becomes a team mindset. And I think a team mindset can be that of allies, um, male allies, white male allies, whatever you. But I think it's the ones that have understood that, okay, I hold a privileged person, a position of power. I can do change. What we referred to earlier, whereas... The ones who are in charge, if they have understood it, if they're role modeling it, if they ha- are trying to do better, if they are able to speak about it in public. Um, the other day, one of our leaders gave a talk about this or was part of a panel conversation about this. And I know that he did a, an amazing job doing it. And I don't even have to listen in. I'm not even anxious that he's not doing it. I know that he would deliver all the messages that we want the, him to deliver on behalf of the organization that we represent. So this itself is soothing because it help, it help, says that we act as a group with one voice that is a strong commitment. Yeah. So it's no longer just me. I'm doing much of the work on the portfolio side, but I think that as a team, we have, we have achieved so much that I'm very, very grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, I think allyship is something which we overlook so much. And I think definitely it should be, it should kind of be, a, well, I definitely think it should be a leadership quality, right? Because you in a position of power should be, you know, being able to help others um, that need that and that need allies. And you should be a voice, not when I'm in the room, but when I'm not in the room. And I think that's what's really important. You should be helping the fight when people are not there, not just because, you know, there's a group of women behind you that have asked you to kind of talk about maternity cover, or have asked you to kind of speak about, you know, the, the issues which women may go through at work do that when we're not there and do that when we're not listening because I think that's what's more powerful I'm, I'm so with you there but because one of the things that I've read in, in the last research that I did is the difference between mentorship and sponsorship and what is more helpful yeah we have in specifically the tech industry there is like this obsession that there should be more female founders and we should just mentor them better so that we actually give them more confidence to start their entrepreneurial career which I think is bonkers because I think if you want to be a founder of whatever gender you will probably have the, you will find the resources to do it whether there is still a stigma and a bias in the way that capital is um is granted to specific types of that's true but if you choose to want to be a founder you don't need all the mentoring programs you don't need all the networking events where you're just surrounded by other females what you want to is be part of a conversation where there is the people who hold, who can write the checks, right? Yeah. So mentorships, mentorship, mentoring itself is, is a very limited scope of change here. Instead, what you just said is sponsorship. And by definition, sponsorship is when you speak on someone else's behalf when they're not in the room. Sponsorship is probably very much invisible to the person who is actually getting sponsored. 
Yeah. Because it's the leader in the leadership conversation where it's probably the conversations about who should progress in our firm. When someone is saying that person should be getting that job because they are badass and they are so great and I want to push for that person, not the other person. Yeah. And if that sponsor has understood that they should also help people advance who are not the obvious pick because they don't, they're not falling into the pattern of the historical picks because they are probably of a different background, of a different makeup or whatever. This is really powerful, way more powerful than anything else. And this is why allyship and sponsorship is kind of the same because if leaders become allies, they will become sponsors. Totally, like 100%, 110%. And I guess, you know, it's a massive problem. It's a massive task. Um, how do you think we can actually uplift and energize people when struggling uh, to take on this problem? What do you, I mean, from your experience, I'm sure you've kind of been through it yourself. Um, what did you do and kind of how do you think we can really help people going through this? Um, what works for me, and it does not work for everyone, but I'm a person that I, I get energy from making connections and being amongst people. I'm a very social animal. So my go-to resources would be to speak to others that are also doing this kind of work for two reasons. One is just ventilate and have a rant. The other one is to be normalized also that it's, that everyone is struggling. It's just not me because, yeah. because that's a thought you might easily have is that everyone else is doing so great, but I can't. No, everyone is struggling. It's normal to struggle and everyone has been through the same struggles. That's normalizing it. That's really helpful. The other part is everyone is really maybe because we're all in the same boat here we all want to help each other so i get much of the advice and the ideas and the inspiration and solutions to how i could do these things when i speak to peers so this is where my peers are my resources at the same time i think we should also be very much cognizant that it has a mental toll and it is mental load and you need to find ways to help you offload these things in whatever way that you choose to for example people who want to look for coaching or any kind of supervision and maybe even therapy whatever have you but I think we should not forget that I don't stop thinking about diversity when I leave the office I see it everywhere I see it in my personal life in my circle of friends in everyone's life yeah it's a lens that once you have started to to use it to to look through it or whatever world you walk through, you can never take it off. Oh my gosh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think this is where, in in most of the other functions, you can stop thinking about, like if you were to be an accountant, you'd probably think about, stop thinking about accounting once you're on the tube, hopefully, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, though, every show that I watch on Netflix, every book that I pick up, everything, it's just kind of, it, it takes me extra energy to stop to force myself to stop thinking about those things and also find joy in things and not look at the news, the geopolitical things from that lens too, as in there's another source of frustration, another source of inequality and unfairness and this really takes off. And I think this is also what we have to be aware of. And I think this is what people doing the job have to be aware of, that they need to find resources to offload this and to decompress. And it's totally fine to do things different, to like not think about it all the time. It's totally fine to take time off from diversity work. Yeah. No, 110. You need the Sunday off to go back on Monday. 
yeah but whatever you do on a sunday has not to be in front it's not a day wasted it's a day for you to recharge yeah no i can really relate to that because when i kind of dug my head into that if that's the right saying but when i kind of got really interested in diversity work i then you're right i couldn't unsee certain things I would have definitely overlooked before like I wouldn't have noticed certain aspects in in kind of like said in movies in a conversation in really small interactions in a coffee shop I would have so overlooked and I would never have second guessed anything now I am like literally nitpicking at everything like I'd see things now from a different point of view like my 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 mom told me about a situation she had at work and I was like but mom did you and I was like oh my gosh like if I kind of tell her about this then she'll and I'm like oh my gosh I need to slow down I can just be be there as a daughter and be like yeah you know it's fine but I couldn't agree more now I'm in it I feel like I can't get out and I get that when you are in it and when other people are kind of doing more in their role on diversity it's one really hard to turn off and two you can get so kind of caught up in trying your best not achieving too much and and kind of just being a bit kind of demotivated by your work and not knowing where to turn to if it's not working out and like you said right turning to other people and and having a bit of a rant um having a conversation learning from others and seeing that hey it's not just me that's going through this Uh, but equally turning off when you need to because it's a massive fight and it's a massive issue and you can't do it just on your own Exactly. And I think as much of like coping mechanisms that I needed to think about, as I said, my mantra is progression over perfection. And I think my colleagues hate me for saying this over and over and over again, but it's really true. It's my, it's also my happy place when I think about, okay, I've made some progress today with the work that I've done. It is worth something. I celebrate the small wins because it's the multitude of small wins that help us advance. There's no big wins because there's also a lot of fights that I can't even fight. I need to be very conscious about what the battles are that I want to be fighting. And there is, at the same time, a lot of things that I can't even impact. There, the, people always misbehave. There's always something that is going wrong. Um, there's always workplaces that are unsafe. There's all those things happening that I can influence. I feel, though, that it is a burden that sometimes we think that we should be influencing all those things and we should be doing all the good things for everyone else. But it's impossible. It's an impossible task. What is not impossible and should have a bit more limelight is the small wins. It's the multitude of small things. We asked ourselves, what is there that is the solution to finally solve all the diversity? There is no one thing. It's not one level that we need to pull. It's like the little things that are all intertwined that we have to push for every day. And as said, it's also okay to choose a day where you say, I'm just going to do very mundane work, nothing else. I'm not thinking about it for a day because I need to recharge, do something else. I can go back on the diversity track tomorrow. It's just something we're doing. And I think this is also fair, as I said, is, is some of the conversations I think are fair to have with the people that we have tasked, as there are so many people who are getting tasked to do it, yeah. that are in, inequipped, in, non-supported, um, not empowered enough to do it. Um, because of all the conversation around it in the society, I think every company is trying to do something. It's like the same with, in our world, it's ESG. In other words, it's probably something sustainable or impact and purpose Everyone wants to do better. Everyone wants to have a more of an edge when it comes to the profile that they create as organizations. So we always find someone who's doing something. At the same time, we also have to be conscious that we give them an extra tag. It's an extra, extra job. Yeah. And that transgresses into their personal lives. 
yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. And I guess just to kind of end on a bit of tangible advice, what advice would you give to someone in a in a role whereby they have a voice, but they and they, and they want to use it, uh, and they've tried and it's just not working? What advice would you give to someone who is in that situation where they kind of feel a bit stuck with the whole diversity work? Because we've all been there. We've all been there where we think this is not working. Should I should I just stop? What advice would you give to someone who's in that situation where they feeling a bit stuck, it's not working, but they know it's important. What would you do? Mm, I think I would try many things. I said, there's no silver bullet, but I think one thing is next to the persistence is needed, figuring out who else can speak to this. Because sometimes they don't listen to the messenger, I said, because the messenger is part of the targeted group of people that they want to include, but they kind of mix up the whole thing of this, Right. Do I believe it or is it just her personal thing? Is there like her personal power push yeah. for more women in leadership roles because she might want to be the next female leader and all those? Things? I said, there's a whole thing that you can unpack really because I think that this is something we just need to be wary about. So I would think, is there someone in the organization who can technically share the same messages, push for the same initiatives, but with a different voice? Yeah, you get stronger, louder, vo- louder voice, whatever have you. So maybe find that ally, or maybe find that person that you can help become an ally. Maybe that's someone who has the intent to become an ally, yeah, and you can support, um, and then make it a team thing. Because then also there's already two people blowing the same horn, which itself is also helpful. So this is something I would probably do. The other thing is obviously you have to be aware that you might not find that person because no one is really pushing for it. It's just lip service. This tells you something else, and that you'll run in. You will be running into a different problem then if you can't find someone in the leadership team who's probably really subscribing to it. Right? That's a different problem. And the other part I said is find peers outside. The good thing about diversity is such a universal problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally everywhere in every society, in every land, in every country. It's everywhere in every organization. So you're not alone. So find people. I've found all the people that are for whatever reasons, becoming experts in this field, so helpful because they understand there's no privilege in knowing better. There's no proprietary wisdom that they shouldn't be sharing. If we share, if we make it open source knowledge, it will help every one of us. So I found the community of people doing the work so helpful. So reach out. You will get all their secrets. You will get all their advice. You will get all their support because why wouldn't they? It's not yeah. a trade secret. It is something that should trans- transpire across organizations and teams and people. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Honestly, I've loved having you on here, Anna. I could sit and speak with you for hours and hours. I know that you've got other work to do. So thank you so much for joining me. And yeah, thanks so much for kind of sharing your insights. Like I said, I've learned a lot and I'm sure everyone else will. I'm very much, very grateful to have been here. And thank you so much for all your inspiring questions. Mm-hmm.